What is up, everybody, and welcome to the debut episode of Taking Care of Grizzness, the Memphis Grizzlies podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I can't have a debut show without one of my favorite people to talk, not just Grizzlies basketball with, but hoops with, pop culture with, Whatever it is, he's the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show on 92.9 ESPN every weekday from 4 to 7 p.m. Connor Dunning. Connor, man, what's happening? How's it going? How's your Monday afternoon going? Hello, my friend. It's, it's good. Happy to be on the new show. Really enjoying the email list sub stack that, you're, that you've got going on. It's tremendous content over there. The last few pieces, I think, have been some of the best best basketball stuff I've read in a very long time. So I'm happy to be back. Happy to be back at 929. Happy to be back on a pod with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And before we dive in, you know, I all my writing stuff's over with Substack. You know, going all independent in this. And you can find it at Substack Elitist. I tweet out everything. Right now I'm getting really nitty gritty into draft season. But we'll save more draft content for later. And Connor. You know, this is a Grizzlies podcast. We're not going to talk about the finals, but apparently for this very reason, no one else is talking about the finals either. After Adam Silver's remarks before game one of the NBA finals about John Morant's suspension and uncovering more information, a lot of it's the the coverage on John Morant and his gun waving on Instagram live has kind of come back to light after those comments. I don't want to get too much into it. Frankly, I, I think we could have multiple podcasts on just all the different dynamics with it, including really just the irresponsibility of media members and what they're pushing out along with all this jaw stuff. It's rather uh, disgusting. But really, I just wanted to talk about how this suspension is going to shape the Grizzlies all season. I mean, before we really get like down into the weeds of it, Connor. I guess like one thing I'll ask, like, what would your prediction be? Like a quick prediction be on how many games Jaws going to be suspended to start next season? Yeah. So when the news first came out or the video first came out about Jaw flashing the gun on Instagram live again, my prediction was it was going to be 15 to 25 games. I thought that they would probably double whatever the first suspension was. I also thought that, they may use the new agreement with the players about, you know, how many games that you have to play to be eligible for awards. It affects money, things like that. I thought that they might go right up to that number and basically say, we're not going to give you any room. You know, we slapped you on the wrist last time at this time. I think that we really need to send a message to you because at the end of the day, he lied to the commissioner and he did something irresponsible on Instagram, but he didn't break a law. Um, And I don't think that morality needs to be the compass here for suspension. I think that that's pretty silly that people are trying to act like he deserves half a season, 50 games, things like that. In my personal opinion, you can't go over what what Bridges got. I think that those are two, you know, they set a precedent by giving him 30 games and people can argue that he's been suspended for a full year or whatever. He's been out of the league. But at the end of the day, when on the piece of paper, it says 30 games. I just don't think there's any justification for Ja to get more than 30 games when he didn't do anything unlawful. You know. I get it. There's like a code of conduct and there's things detrimental to the brand and whatever. But at the end of the day, he flashed a gun on Instagram. He did something irresponsible, but he didn't break any laws. He didn't hurt anybody. He just did this. This did something stupid. He, you know, and he's a young kid. He's 23. He's still figuring it out. He's got a lot of money. I think 
in a space right now to where he does need support. He needs love. He needs, you know, people to believe in him, even though he's making these mistakes. So even though Adam Silver had kind of the disappointed dad comments and things like that, and in my opinion, he was a bit irres- irresponsible with what he said before NBA Finals Game 1, even if, even though I, if we're going to be completely honest about it, I think he knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew that this was going to be a Finals where people may not care enough, and those, I think mm-hmm. those people are dumb because this is an awesome series with two very good, good basketball teams, and it's been a ton of fun to watch so far. But I think Adam Silver absolutely knew what he was doing by saying, you know, I don't want the Jaw stuff to be a distraction, but here's going to be the biggest distraction of the finals. Like, that's not any mistake. He's a lawyer. He's an NBA commissioner. He knows exactly how the media works. He knows how to spin them. So, to be honest, even after his comments, my opinion doesn't change because it sounds like he talked to the players' union yeah. and that the players have been very involved on this. And I just don't think that they're going to be okay with setting a precedent of a ton of games or half a season or 40 games or o- over 30 games, especially with the money, you know, stuff being involved so my prediction is still 15 to 25 games even based even after all the comments that silver has made i think that after his comments i'm probably leaning closer to the 25 than i was the 15 i really thought that they were going to draw a line in the sand and give them you know 16 or 17 but it seems like that it might be more than that now it's just i i will say i found it interesting how quiet the players have been on this usually when something like this happens players come out and in support of another player and talk about it and things like that but it does seem like that across the nba that a lot of guys have been kind of quiet about this you know jaron was on the pg podcast which is phenomenal by the way highly recommend any grizzlies fan any basketball fan to go listen to it but it seemed pretty clear that before that podcast he was like hey i'm not going to talk about the jaw situation because they don't so i'm curious about that but at the end of the day i just i don't see a way that they can give him more than you know miles bridge i just i just don't see any pathway to that making sense yeah yeah that that's kind of like the miles bridges thing that's like my outrage point because i i don't think that should i don't think what john did I'm be, can, we, can we cuss on here yeah yeah let's okay, do it i will lose my fly. i'm gonna lose my shit i will lose my shit if they give him more than miles bridges anything under miles i can understand i can take like any justification they give for like, you know, 25 games, anything under that, I will understand. I will totally understand it. If they give him more than Bridges, I'm going to lose my shit because it will not make any sense. And flashing a gun on Instagram is not even close to being the equivalent of beating the absolute crap out of a woman. That is just disgusting. I'm of the opinion he shouldn't even have a chance to play in the NBA. And that's why, you know, I've seen a lot of people talk about Bridges to the Grizzlies. No, no, that's not going to happen. One, I don't think the Grizzlies are going to do that. I truly do not think they were gonna, they would do that. And two, if for some somehow they did, I would have to start questioning my fandom because that guy does not deserve to be in the league. Yeah, yeah, totally. He doesn't deserve to be in the league. But yeah, one thing I'll say on the jaw thing is I think more than anything, it's, it's a, a lot of different things, you know. Like you said, the whole lines to the commissioner. It's a very big case of like, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Delia right now going on with Adam Silver. And I don't know if it's like a precedent for the league more than just like the suspension is more about trying to get to Ja's head and really just try to help him because Ja is a face of the league. I mean, he mm-hmm. like la- last week I tried to buy those mismatch shoes on the Nike sneakers app. I was in the sneakers app at 8.59 a.m. Central Time. Click on the buy link, get my payment stuff already. It's not even 901 yet. And I already clicked the payment stuff and it didn't go through. It sold out in literally seconds. His shoes sells out in seconds. Away fans are just like going bananas over John Morant, making 
it sound like a home game for the Grizzlies wherever he goes because he's that electric of a player. He's a bonafide superstar. And Adam Silver, I think he wants to kind of go hard on him just because he recognizes how big and he is and how important he is to the NBA, the Memphis Grizzlies, and really just try to, I don't know, just course correction a little bit. But yeah. And also too, this in like a big topic with this is this is the second time he's waved a gun on Instagram and, you know, uh, we can have, there's so many other podcasts you could just talk about, you know, but just what's going on in this country around guns. Like, do you want that yeah. kind of imaging in your league? And you don't, you really don't. And so I, I think that's kind of what boils down with Josh suspension. I'm going with 20, like 25 games, just gets him out of the contention for, for the, any postseason awards. I know at the exit interviews, Josh said that his goal is availability and I think knocking mm-hmm. him out for 25 games would, I think that would really set a tone for him. And I think it, it should resonate with him. But enough, enough on that. But more with the offseason, man. <laughs> I will say, I will say, I think, you know, it's a big summer for the Memphis Grizzlies as far as just yeah. the next evolution and the maturation of this era. We're seeing great stuff already with Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, ironically enough, Desmond Bain's Instagram story posted up in in a club or wherever in Brooklyn when Mikhail Bridges wasn't the biggest Instagram story of, oh my of God. the day. I know. And then also too, you know, he's taking he's addressing that toe injury, which I know we talked about a lot throughout the season. Of like, okay, is he really healthy? Like he's totally gonna get this checked down in the all season, right? And so, you know, Des he's taking care of his foot, trying to get healthy for next season. And then he was also spotted at the NBA finals game last night. And you have Jaron back in the lab for a healthy offseason. And then you also have him posted up on this podcast with Paul George saying the right things, talk about how the best thing for them was to be humbled. So, I mean, at least with Dez and Jaron, two guys that were challenged to be or are challenged to be leaders for this Memphis Grizzlies team, I think it's a good first month or so for those for those two guys in particular, for sure. Yeah, I mean – you know, other than the Jaw stuff, I think this offseason so far has been a positive thing for the Grizzlies. It really seems like Jaron is starting to realize the place that he has, not only on this team, but in the NBA as a whole. You know, taking that leadership position with the Players Union, the Kareem Abdul Jabbar Award, which in my opinion, he should have probably won. It doesn't make the, the Steph stuff is pretty funny when you look into it, but you know, affordable housing. He, you, you, and yeah, yeah, uh, you, <laughs> that's just a funny, <laughs> uh, you and I have talked about how, you know, Ja is extremely important to this Memphis Grizzlies team. No doubt about it. Like with, when he is not on the court, the ceiling for this team is lowered, but let's assume that Ja is on the court for this discussion. I have been under the opinion for, you know, about two years now that the Grizzlies ceiling goes as high as Jaron Jackson Jr. goes. I think that he is low-key the most important piece to this team right now because, you know, John Morant's going to be able to get you 25 to 30 any game that you need him to. Desmond Bain, it really looks like he's going to show up and he's going to take another leap, even with that toe injury. What he was doing in the playoffs was pretty remarkable, and I, and I am firmly on team Desmond Bain over Jalen Brown. That's another discussion I'm sure we'll get to here in a minute, but Jaron Jackson Jr., what he has shown flashes of, and 
not only on the defensive end, but on the offensive end. He can completely dominate a game for stretches of a time. There were a few moments in the Lakers series. I know that he has described it as them getting leveled in the series, and I'm not, and I, and I wouldn't say I disagree with that, really. I think the Lakers just had a tremendous series. The Grizzlies were dealing, dealing with a ton of injuries. I'm still under the opinion, though, that if you have a hot, healthy jaw, healthy Stephen Adams, the Grizzlies win that series with ease. But I think that you know, they were undermanned going into it, but Jaron had moments where he was the best player on the floor with Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the court. It was just, and it was obvious to see. He was able to get his shot off at all three levels, at the rim, at the three, at the mid-range. He's a defensive menace. What he does on the defensive end of the court is pretty remarkable to see, and I know that he has a lot of flashy stats with the blocks, the steals, and things like that, but when you watch the games and you watch how he affects the offense of the other team, he completely changes what they want to do every single time the way that they operate with him off the court and on the court is completely different. So, you know, if those two guys can continue to make, you know, improvements and make leaps, that's going to be almost just as big for this team as going out and getting a wing is or getting job back for a full season or getting, getting Steven Adams back. You know, when you look at a team like the Denver Nuggets, patience and marginal improvement is what got them there. And I think that the Grizzlies can take the blueprint that they have and kind of replicate that and be extremely successful because, you know, I know last year we had lofty expectations and we thought it was a year that the Grizzlies could make a run. But when you really look at the plan that they have laid out, we were still technically ahead of schedule. And I think that this off season and this upcoming season is the first one that has true expectations on it as you know, they have to get past the first round. I think this upcoming year for it to be successful, mm-hmm. they have right. to make a big move this off season, whether it's, signing a wing or, or trading for a wing. And when I say big move, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Mikhail Bridges. It can be a, you know, a Bruce Brown level guy or a Cam Johnson who's going to be difficult. Or, you know, it's, it's these marginal improvements, you know, finding that fourth guy who's going to understand his role, who's going to hit the three in the corner, who's going to do the intangibles for the team that Dylan Brooks unfortunately just didn't want to do. We love Dylan, but I think that it was time for this team to move on and grow from him. And that's why I'm really excited this off season, because it seems like that the Grizzlies have the right mindset going into it. They're like, listen, we understand that we need to improve, but we're also not going to break the bank to go get somebody because they understand that they have the guys there already. And they're just missing like one guy. They're like one guy away. And that's such a fun place to be as an NBA team. Absolutely. I do love the, obviously I think Denver comparison is going to be thrown out a lot for a lot of these teams, a lot of these young teams like the Memphis Grizzlies, where you can't, acquire this talent and then expect a bunch of 23 and 24 year olds to go and win an NBA championship. It's just historically not a precedent at all. And I think 27, 28, usually when guys get it. Right. Yeah. And I, I think if you're using Denver comparisons, like Jamal Murray was always that swing piece for Denver. Like, okay, if he mm-hmm. can become a star, this Denver team, something that's Jaron Jackson Jr. on this team. If Jaron Jackson Jr. becomes, he's already a defensive superstar. He is, he won the defensive player of the year. I, I still think he is the absolute best defender in the league with even room to grow, which is scary to think about. But his offensive right. game and what he showed after the All Star break and in that game one, and I mean, even though they lost, I mean, that offensive performance was just absolutely cinema. Like he, just decided to put LeBron on his back mm-hmm. on the block and he was going to go get a bucket. And that's the kind of Jaron Jackson Jr. that he can be. So, I mean, that's obviously, so everything that's been said, everything that's been seen with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain this offseason, it's been great. And I know 
with and I think the biggest question though with the with John Morant suspension with the offseason, something you've already kind of kind of touched on a little bit is the trades. Because right now the only trade, the best trade asset the Grizzlies have from a money matching standpoint is Tyus Jones because he's on mm-hmm. expiring contract for about 14 or 15 million dollars next year. So, I mean, you can't really use Brandon Clark as a money matcher with his ruptured Achilles on a four-year deal, even though Zach Kleiman said in the exit interviews that he is recovering very well. Steven Adams doesn't have that same impact as a money matcher as Tyus Jones. Injury aside, I mean, he is the best rebounder in the league, but he's also approaching his 30s. He's kind of considered like an old-school center. So it just doesn't hit the same as Tyus Jones. So, and obviously Tyus Jones, he is a great point guard, especially when he has to start in place for John Morant. I mean, I want to say it was the season before last. So 2021-2022 season, they were like 21-4 and or 22-4 and (laughs) when Tyus Jones was a starter. And in this season, as a starting point guard, He averaged 16 points, eight assists, four rebounds on 50, 40, 80 shooting splits. I think what's most impressive is as a starting point guard, I don't have like the exact number in front of me, like as far as like assist to turnover ratio, but he had 179 assists versus 34 turnovers. He had fewer turnovers as a starter than he did. Well, all right, that, that doesn't mean... Really, that doesn't mean shit. He played 500 more minutes as a reserve. <laughs> Never mind. So, anyways, he narrative, only turned- Parker. Narrative. Tell your narrative. Story. I got to spin. So, obviously, if you're losing John Morant for, you know, 15 to 25 games, people are gonna be like, "Well, we can't trade Tyus Jones." Is a Tyus Jones trade out the window, and the Grizzlies' pathway to upgrading at the three by way of trade? Is that out the window with all this John Morant stuff looming? No. No, you still trade Tyus. If, if you get an offer for a wing that makes sense, you make that trade. John Morant's suspension should not affect the Memphis Grizzlies' offseason plans and what they plan to do next year. This is a temporary speed bump that they're going to run yep. into. It's a temporary thing. You do not give up the future plans because of a temporary problem. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it, that would feel very short-sighted. And Tyus Jones has been tremendous for the Memphis Grizzlies. At the end of the day, though, he is a starter-level point guard, and somebody out there needs a starter or somebody out there needs a backup like him. I think the Grizzlies can get by. You know, I don't go find – they can go find somebody on the market to, to run point for them. They could let Bain run it. They could let Luke run it. They could make a draft pick, maybe – you know, they take a flyer on some dude late in the second round and they and they try to get somebody in there and just run it for the first part of the season. I don't know. I just I think that with just so much question marks around the jaw situation, you just don't don't hedge your future because of it. So my short answer is no, you don't. I think that you still trade Tyus Jones. He still feels like the pathway to get that missing piece. And at the end, end of the day, man, if this season has proven anything to NBA fans, it's that you can get by you know, you can still make it to the finals. You can still make it to the playoffs, even if you have a terrible first 15, first 25 games of the year. Just look at the Lakers. Look at the Heat. You know, look at the seasons that they had. And they started off brutal last year. So, you know, I just, I'm not that concerned about the beginning of the season for the Grizzlies because I think we know that 
whenever Jod does return, they're going to go on a run and they're going to be in the playoffs kind of no matter what. Yeah. Also, too, with that, the 2021-2022 season, the Grizzlies started 9-10 and and finished with a 56-26 and record. So it's also right. one of those things, too, where this team's mindset is not of, okay, how are we going to survive October to November? It's how can we survive so that we're playing in June? Like their focus right. is planning for postseason basketball. And if that means Tyus Jones, and all right, I'm going to throw out this trade. So I actually talked with somebody that covers the Toronto Raptors up in Canada. I podcast okay. with him. And I was talking to him about the whole Darko Rajachovich final, as a finalist for the Toronto Raptors job. And I was like, you know, they'll need somebody that knows the offense. And I threw out Tyus so Jones. I said Tyus Jones, who also, by the way, Fred Van Fleet is an unrestricted free agent this summer. So, yeah, Tyus, Zaire, three to four first round picks for OG and Anobi. And he said he would do it in a heartbeat. And he thinks Toronto would too. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. You do that trade. You would have to get, I think, assurance though from OG that he's going to be okay with his role here because. The only thing that would worry me about that is he has already talked about not liking his role in Toronto and coming to the Grizzlies. He would be that fourth guy. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He would kind of be in the same role. He's a bit more of an efficient Dylan Brooks. He's good defensively. I think that what we have kind of learned is that you need someone, though, that is efficient and that is going to hit their shots. And I think that that is OG. And if that trade is on the table, I think you make that trade. You make that trade because ultimately you're not giving up like you're giving up Tyus, but you're giving up Tyus for someone that it makes sense for. And those picks, when you're in a championship window, picks be gone. You know what I mean? If you're going to make that a move for that wing that you think could be the piece to get you to the finals, you make that move. And Z, I love Z. You know, I, I think that you and I are still believers in his game. Mm-hmm. You think that if they can't make a trade for some reason or they can't make a move this offseason, that there are still hopes with Z to, to make a leap. He had a really weird season with injuries and confidence and things like that, but he still showed flashes of having these moments. I still think that he can get a shot off off the dribble. He's, you know, he's got to work on that three-point shot in the corner. I think that he has good defensive instincts while still not being a very good defender. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That makes any sense. So, at the end of the day, I'd be okay with, with letting him go even though I still think he could turn into an NBA player. So, yes, you make that trade for OG. Can I make, like, a contrarian, like a counter-argument to your thing about OG's role? Like, I think for sure. more anything i think with og it's more of an assurance that he's going to resign in the 2024 mm. offseason like oh, basically like the, the assurance would be you need him to resign i need yeah you need the extension the you need that extension the thing with og okay. with yeah. his role yeah i think the thing with og with his role is more about like how how is his uh, how's his vibe changing when he's a number 4 option on a team that's competing for a championship instead of a number four option on a team competing for a playing spot. That's really fair. I think that's a really, really fair point to make, especially when it was pretty known too that the coach was leaving and that things were going to change up there. I think that's a very fair point to make. Yeah. But I mean, also too, I mean, his impact here would just be undeniable. I mean, last season with Toronto, he shot that like, this is just like, the antithesis of what's been at the three spot over the past year, but he's shot 41% on catch and shoot threes, 
41.5% on wide open threes. And I know people's like, yeah, it's wide open, but Dylan Brooks shot 20% from on wide open threes in the playoff <laughs> series against the Lakers. So like Hell yeah. take that, take that with a grain of salt. And in 45% on corner threes, Connor Dunning, could you imagine a Grizzlies lineup with John Morant, Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, OG Ananobi, and Jaron Jackson Jr.? I was actually just writing down the lineup. If you if you roll out starters, Ja, Bain, OG, Jaron, and Adams, is that the best starting five in the league? It's one of the best starting. I think it's up there with I think it's up there with like Denver and Boston for sure. Yep. I yep. I think it's up there absolutely. And you know one thing, and I'm sure we'll get back into some trade talks here to close the show. But there's one thing I gotta ask you, and you know. Oh, I got to make sure I sneak in some pop culture stuff with you and just kind of give you a runway with this. You okay. know, you're, you're very talented mind when it comes to both basketball and pop culture. Are we about to see John Morant's Jamie Tart arc? Jamie Tart arc. Yes, I think that we are. Um, I would also say Nate a little bit too. From Ted Lasso. It, it, you know, Ooh. it's someone who their whole life, they have felt as if they have not gotten the attention that they deserve. And then they get the love of the entire world. But as soon as they aren't doing what's new for me, or as soon as a little adversity comes, they feel as if the world, AKA Ted turns their back on them and then they're, they're having to do it alone. And they start acting out a little bit. They start acting like not themselves a little bit, but then eventually they're going to come back. They're going to figure out again who they are. They're going to start uh, quote unquote, moving differently, as a lot of people have been saying out there, and I think that he's going to come back, man. Jamie, I think Jamie Tart's a good one too. Like, just have to. I don't know. If, I don't think that he's as much as a prick as Jamie was. No, Jamie Tart was a dick, <laughs> and but, I think that he's a better, he's a better teammate. But I totally understand what you're saying. Um, it's the redemption, you know. And the good news about this jaw stuff is, at the end of the day. He flashed a gun on Instagram in the state of Tennessee. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like he, he didn't harm anybody. He didn't harm himself. He, he's not doing drugs. He doesn't have a substance issue. One thing that's actually really been bothering me about the whole thing is that people keep talking about he went to rehab. He didn't go to rehab, y'all. Like, he didn't go to rehab, rehab. He went to therapy. Those are two very, very different things. And I think that we have to all, like, keep putting this jaw thing into perspective. It is a big story right now because nothing else is going on in the NBA except for an NBA Finals that, for some reason, the NBA doesn't really want to promote. It, it's being dramatized a little bit, if, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Uh, I, I think that yeah. we've got to put this jaw thing in perspective. So I, I think that your Ted Lasso arc is, is very apt for this situation because he's lost his way a little bit, you know, but he's got the team, he's got the players around him, he's got the coaches, the team, you know, I think that the city supports him. I think that, you know, the NBA is eventually going to support him because of what you said. He's way too much of a money-making, you know, machine for them to turn their back on him. So I think he's going to come back. He's going to land the plane. I think that he's going to have – I truly think that we're going to see the best season that we've seen out of John Morant next year. I know that's, that's a weird thing to say right now, but I really do think that he's going to come back focused and ready to go. And – I don't know, man. I just really do feel like he's going to come out like a rocket and just dominate whenever he gets back on that court. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I, I think just to go back into Ted Lasso comparisons, and if you haven't seen the show, for one, I'm sorry for spoiling anything, but two, go watch the show. But 
I think one thing that'd be like, I guess the Jamie Tart esque of it is like, what if he just comes through and just, you know, like the whole, like, we got to play through me. And then like, Ja becomes tapping into more of his playmaking, playmaking. aspect of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To where it's Jaws on the floor, but you're still having that actualized version of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain, because we haven't seen that version of Jaron Jackson Jr. that we saw after the all-star break with John Morant on the floor as well. We're still, there's still untapped potential with that two man game. And I think that would be just like an amazing aha kind of deal. But yeah, at the end of the day, he didn't do anything like he didn't do anything wrong legally. And I think it's just one of those things that, you know, you can blend accountability with support. Everyone is wanting him to be, like, be held accountable. But majority of people want him to be held accountable because they want to support. They're supporting him. They want him to get better. They want him to find his way. Like, it's not one of those things like, oh, yeah, he needs to learn a lesson. We, they want him to, you know, be able to become the, the superstar that he could be for 10, 15 years. And right. Yeah. But Connor, we Let's go ahead. Go Real ahead. quick, uh, another tie to Ted Lasso. It's uh, one of the things I think that was vastly misunderstood about Ted Lasso, especially this season from some critics, is that this show has never been the fun-loving show that doesn't have any drama that people try to make it out to be. In my opinion, this is one of the best real shows about mental health that has been out there, especially with athletes and especially you know around the world of sports. And I think that's another thing that, you know, kind of connects to Ja here is that he is clearly dealing with, you know, some mental health things going on right now. He is a 23-year-old that came from, you know, kind of obscurity. He was, you know, he wasn't recruited. All of a sudden, he's at Murray, and bang, all of a sudden, because of one game, two games in the tournament, he's the second pick in the NBA draft, and then you hand him a max contract. He's just, a lot of stuff changed for him in a very short amount of time. It's overwhelming. I, you know, I don't know how I would react to it when I was 23 years old, 22 years old. The way I kind of put it in perspective is that my brother's five years younger than I am. Imagine handing him $200 million and the key to a franchise and saying, this is all on you now, man. I don't know yep. if he would handle it perfectly. You know, so we've got to give this kid some grace. We've got to give him, give him some time to grow. And I think that one thing that the show that Ted Lasso showed is that if you give people love, if you give them support, if you give them some understanding and some grace while also still holding them accountable – good things can come out of that. And that's what I think is going to happen with y'all. Absolutely. Totally here for that. And Connor, we're about almost running out of time here. So, you know, it's really the start of the all season. And by the start of the all season, I mean, the draft is about two and a half weeks away. I mean, we're already seeing smoke fly about all season moves with the hilarious report of Kyrie wanting Dallas to trade for LeBron James. I mean, yeah, I think every, I think John Morant would want the Grizzlies to trade for LeBron James as well. But yeah. anyways, all right. Well, we can each share a bold off-season prediction for the for Grizzlies. For the Grizzlies or for the NBA? Season. For the Grizzlies. If you want to – honestly, if you want to give an NBA one, two, let it fly. But what's your one bold. bold Grizzlies prediction? It doesn't even have to be like Stephen A. Smith on first take bold. Just like something that's bold for Connor Dunning. Bold. Hmm. I think my bold prediction is going to be that they're going to get Kendrick Davis on on a two way. Yeah, I think that they're going to I think that they're going to grab Kendrick Davis at some point. Okay, okay, I like that. I like that. I, 
it's it kind of honestly that did kind of catch me off guard. Not not gonna lie, like I I still have that belief that I think the Grizzlies are gonna get Kendra Davis like in some capacity, whether it's on the hustle or on a two way. But yeah, there we go. I like that. And let, let me just go ahead and fire off that NBA take because I know you have one. I know you do. NBA take. Here's my take on the Kyrie thing. I think that LeBron told Kyrie to leak that so that it puts pressure on Rob Palinka. There we go. Yeah. I, I, I think so, too. Like a fat ding, ding, ding right there. My bold Grizzlies offseason Oh, wait. Here's, how about this? How about this? Uh, sorry. Charlotte uh, would be stupid not to take Scoot at two. That's Absolutely. Like, I, I think LaMelo Ball and Scoot Henderson on the same basketball floor together would be absolutely electric. And I, I think freaking love Scoot. Also, too, I think that's Charlotte's best chance of keeping LaMelo. Yes. Like. Yes. Like, if there's any superstar or star that will end up having a wandering eye for another team in two years, it's LaMelo Ball. Because Charlotte is a disaster class of a franchise. Dog ass. Yes. But my, my Bull Grizzlies one, it's uh, it's something that we've talked about already. I think the Grizzlies make a splash to go get OG and Anobi. And I think the amount of picks they offer is going to leave people saying they offer that many picks for them. I think they offer four first round picks, including this wow. year's 25th pick for OG and Anobi. And damn it, it would be worth it. I think it would be worth it. And you think Tyus and Z are in the package too? Yeah, I, I think I think so. Like I would probably really okay. lean that way. But I hope it happens. Yeah, awesome. Well, we have a couple minutes left. Connor, is there anything you want to say before we close the show? Uh, everybody just take a beat. You know, it's been a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. been a lot for the Grizzlies since about the, you know, about around the trade deadline and uh, the all-star break. It has been a lot. It has been a tumultuous offseason. The end of the season was not great. Um, I think they're going to be okay, though. At the end of the day, I think this has been high drama, but nothing crazy bad has happened yet um i don't think that it will i also think that i i guess um if dylan comes back to memphis cheer him he deserves it absolutely and connor i appreciate you coming on the show this definitely won't be the last time and you know i'm glad to be you know i'm glad you're back with 92 nine so we could chop it up more and in, in public on the, everything going on with the memphis grizzlies it's uh you could have the rhodes it. sid on does that not have credibility enough I, I think I think it does. I think it does. But no, yeah, you you and Gabe show rocks. It, it's it's a really good breath of fresh air, and just keep up the great work, man. And with everyone listening, I hope uh, you enjoy the first episode of Taking Care of Grizzness. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon, Google, wherever wherever you could find Taking Care of Grizzness and every single podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. You can find all my written content over on substackelitas.substack.com. I'll also call it Substack for short, but all my content's free and any sort of financial support that you want to give to, to quote unquote me, it's really just all going to go uh, to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital for my wife, Allie's fundraiser team. So, I mean, I've been very grateful for the support through the first month. And now as the off season's really revving up, I just, but really, I just really appreciate everyone that's been riding with me through this process and hope continues to tap in. So yeah, like, subscribe, download, 
do a five-star review. Let let everyone know this is a new podcast. So new Grizzlies podcast. So yeah. So I appreciate everyone tuning in for our first episode of Taking Care of Grizzness. And we'll get back down to Grizzness next week. Take care.